all you movers and shakers and indie art makers, this is Jay Michaels, and we are here in The Passion Pit. Now, we have always known about indie film. Indie theater, uh, while the term is pretty much new, we knew about it for years as off-off-Broadway or Showcase or something like that. But did you know that we have indie TV? Yes, we have tons of websites out there, webisodes out there. But there are programs that are independently made. Now, since they all appear on that same little screen, we may not know which is which. But since Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and the lot, we have countless opportunities to see countless programs on countless subjects from countless countries. Well, I chatted with the star of one of those programs. Amazon features a program near and dear to my heart. As a kid, let's just say I didn't have much. Fill in the blanks as you see fit, and sadly, you would probably be right. But I did have a joyous and always fascinating nanny. TV. I watched all the great programs of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, Dark Shadows, The Outer Limits, Gilligan's Island, Happy Days, Six Million Dollar Man, The Invaders, The Man from Uncle, The Prisoner. Oh, I loved The Prisoner. Secret Agent, and on and on and on and on. Well, I discovered I wasn't alone. Herbie J. Pilato was sitting at his TV doing just like I was. He went on to make a career out of this, uh, working with great works and the great workers of that time period. His program, then again, with Herbie J. Pilato, is a TV-holic's dream. Herbie interviews the stars of all of those great shows. Ever want to know what happened to Burt Ward from Batman? Or Ed Asner from Mary Tyler Moore? Or Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched? Well, author and TV personality Herbie J. Pilato has the scoop on all of them. After writing about this for years and years about the stars of yesterday and the stars always in our hearts, he got the chance to chat with them on his show. Now we'll chat with him on this show right after this. You'd like to attend more live performances, but who knows which shows are worth the time, money, and hassle. At Oplod, you'll find unbiased two or three minute video reviews that make the decision easy. Use offer code J, that's J-A-Y, by December 31st, 2019, for six months free unlimited access, a $59 value. Sign up now at Oplod.com. That's O-P-P-L-A-U-D dot com. Hey, Herbie J. Pilato. It is a pleasure to to finally speak to you. You're breaking up. Hold on. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. Okay. Hello? Yes. <laughs> there you go. So, man, congratulations on your show. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I'm having an absolute blast with, with Terror Talk and... and the, the only one who's having more of a blast with their show is you. Uh, you you look like you're having an absolute blast with, then again, with Herbie J. Pilato. Well, I guess it is a blast, you know. You know, and I, and I tell you the truth, Jay, I've tried to live a blast every day of my life, on screen or off, you know. Just, just try to do the best I can, and 
like the rest of us and bring a little light to the world along the way. Now, that sounds corny, but that's the way it is. Nope, that's totally right. And the light that you bring is from that nice screen on TV. Uh, you are you are one of the kings of uh, the good old days of television. Uh, you you are a chronicler of of the the TV that we all have such affection for. Tell our tell our listeners uh, uh, if they would open up the TV guide and look under Herbie. Uh, would, uh, tell tell the listeners what they'd find. Well, I think they'd find uh, this uh, little Italian guy who had <laughs> <laughs> an affection for um, TV of the sixties and seventies and the fifties too. Um, that when TV was bright and happy and uh, the, the stories, uh, you know, were all taken care of by the end of a half hour or an hour, and it was just a nice little uh, escape. Um, I mean, I grew up in the inner city of Rochester, New York. It was kind of a tough neighborhood, and I had a big, beautiful Italian family and, and wonderful friends and whatnot. But there were the challenges, and so I just kind of... Um, uh, I was attracted to the escapism of TV, which is really what entertainment, you know, started out to be going back to the stage. So, and vaudeville. Do you do you think do you think you're not alone? Because I've I've always wondered. I'm from 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 the the nice little Italian guy to this nice little Jewish guy who who also ran home to <laughs> to watch everything from the four thirty movie to Fright Night, depending on the time. Uh, uh, what is it about the the cl- I hear. Let, let's face it. I hear these critics talk about the the plot line to Gilligan's Island. How how impossible it is, and the acting in this, and the, the things like this. But we love it. We adore the TV of the fifties, sixties, seventies, and even into the eighties. What is it about it? What what makes people love it? You know what it is, Jay. It's, it's like anything. When when something's good, it's good. Whether it's shown in, originally in the fifties or the sixties, or it's rerun or whether it's fantasy, or whether it's, you know, horror, whether it's comedy, as long as whatever is happening in that world makes sense in that world, the logic within the illogic, let's say, of a fantasy, then mm. it's a credible thing for us. So, you know, going back to Gilligan's Island, yeah, it was crazy, and yes, you know, it's totally implausible, but they made sense within their world, and those characters were all so different I mean, it's a perfect example of classic TV. Those characters were all so different, and yet they were a family. And they and they were unique unto each other, and yet they were the same. Which is why, you know, you don't really see too much of that today. There's a lot of talent out there in the new shows, and, you know, the new writers, and, and the new actors, and whatnot. There's a tremendous amount of talent, but the execution isn't always there. The presentation isn't always there. Uh, again, I'm Gilligan, everyone is unique. Today, everybody rolls their eyes. Everybody's sarcastic. Yep. Everybody's gorgeous. You know, there's, there's no, uh, there's not a lot of uniqueness. Do, do, do you think, uh, do you think that that's what, where the suspension of disbelief comes in, where, where we're just thrilled to see almost ourselves, uh, on, on screen? We're thrilled to, to know that at the end of that half hour or that hour, everything is going to be okay. Yeah, it goes against the, the Seinfeld rule of no hugging, no kissing, or whatever it is. But, you know, it's like you feel good. You, you're flipping through the channels, you know, and you see people on the new shows just rolling their eyes. 
Oh, there's, there's, you know, another Walking Dead. Oh, there's another murder. There's another, uh, uh, you know, a grotesque murder or whatnot. And then you see that girl, you know, and with the bright colors of that apartment. And you see them falling in love with her and her boyfriend, Milo Thomas and Ted Bessel. And, and uh, there's, there's that commitment. There's the innocence of it. And there's, it's just not overdone. It's perfectly done. You're like Goldilocks. It's just right. There's not too much of this. There's not too much of that. And we're attracted to that. Of course it's not reality. But again, it goes back to what is entertainment. Entertainment should be uh, escapism. It should bring some kind of comfort. And it's a classic TV does. Now, believe me, I'm a huge fan, by the way. Of, of war. I mean, a huge Dark Shadows fan for number one. Oh, sure. I love all of Dan Curtis's stuff. Trilogy of Terror, The Night Stalker, two of my favorite movies. But there was something about those films, too, that didn't overdo uh, the violence and didn't overdo it, some sense of vulgarity. It, there was uh, a uniqueness to them that the horror was saved for the last few minutes, or there was something that led up to the horror. Not every two seconds was someone getting a hatchet. You know, it's just, right. it's just boring. And it's the same thing with, like, the Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman. Two of my favorite shows, which I did the Bionic, the Bionic book on. Um, you led up to Jamie and Steve doing their Bionic. It was something the audience looked forward to. It was something that the audience looked forward to when Samantha twitched her nose. She didn't twitch her nose every two minutes. Right. Stephen Jamie didn't do the bionics every two minutes. Uh, Kwai Chang King, David Carradine didn't do the Kung Fu every two seconds on Kung Fu. He led up to it. So there is this overwhelming sense of presentation where there's a lack of balance, which I think uh, contributes to the lack of creativity that you see today and which draws us to the shows of yesterday. That's great. Now, now, what 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 or maybe when is an even better question for you? When when did it go from I'm loving this show when I come home after school to I am now going to write a multitude of of award winning and best selling books and and work on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which is beyond envy on my level. Uh, and and when when did it become the profession? When did it go from this is what I do after I finish my homework to this is what I do for the rest of my life? Well, I'd always wanted to be an actor, always. I mean, it was because of those shows that I watched that I, I knew I wanted to leave Rochester and go to Los Angeles. Just because it was every show I saw, whether it was Mannix or or Marcus Welby, you know, it was it was California. No. So. Um, I studied TV and film at National College of Rochester, and then at UCLA later I went there for like a trimester. And then I made the formal move back to Los Angeles, and I got a job as an NBC page, which was not an easy thing to do. Everybody wants to, to, to you know, an internship as a page, specifically not as a CBS page, not as an ABC page, but as an NBC page at the time. Um, so it took me about six months to get that job, and I did. And that's where I started working on The Tonight Show and every major uh, NBC series that was happening at the time, which was really a resurgence for the network. Sure. And that's also, too, when uh, that, that era was, you know, the Cosby Show at the time and, and whatnot was huge. Um, but it was also when I started to learn and appreciate the behind-the-scenes stuff, and that's where things kind of shifted. Um, I worked 
the I Dream of Jeannie 15 years later reunion movie. I actually worked the publicity for that. And I was like, well, wait a minute. If they're going to do a reunion movie about a hot blonde magic woman and a, and a dark-haired um, mortal guy, it should, you know, be Bewitched. Because Jeannie was essentially a, a takeoff on Bewitched in many ways. Um, okay, there's my question. I'm, I'm, I, I just, I'm just going to sidetrack one second. So, Bewitched came first. Oh, yes. Oh, that's... Okay. <laughs> there, you have just solved a mystery that has plagued me for 20 years. <laughs> well, actually, um, NBC, which is Jeannie, NBC had originally approached Saul Sachs, who created The Witch, to do uh, another witch show for them. You know, because The Witch is on ABC. And so I was like, I don't want to do another witch show. I already got one. <laughs> so that's when they went... That's when they went to Sidney Sheldon, you know, the, the master storyteller, oh, really. Oh, sure. And they, they said, could you create, a, a, you know, a show about a witch? He goes, well, I'll do a genie. So, uh, what's his, uh, Sheldon was actually friends with William Asher, married to Elizabeth Montgomery, producer of The Witch, and he went and he asked Bill Asher if it was okay um, if he did a genie show. And, you know, with a blink as opposed to Samantha's twitch, the whole thing. And Bill Asher didn't really care. Elizabeth wasn't that crazy about it. Um, and she never had, by the way, she never had any um, um, issues with Barbara Eden or Larry Hagman. She just wasn't that crazy that they did the show. Right, so right. anyway, so, so that's that. Yes. Um, there, there, you've solved my mystery. Now go on. What were you saying? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then I'm like, you know, I, I'd i like to do a reunion of a wish. Elizabeth didn't want to do that. And I said, well, how about we do a book? about the original show, and she was open to that. And then all of a sudden, I I was doing The Wish, The Eat Your Hollywood Story, and then I was doing, you know, The Kung Fu Book of Kane and The Kung Fu Book of Wisdom, and then I did David Charity, The Eat Your Hollywood Story, and I became this author, producer person. And uh, and then, you know, I went on to do the Bionic book, and, and then Elizabeth's own, uh, or biography, too, on her, actually. And on and on and on. And I would start doing live events, you know, because of my book signings. And one day, um, back in like 2015, now I'm flashing forward a few years. Uh-huh. In 2015, um, Barnes and Noble says, Herbie, we're doing this like Thursday event, throwback Thursday events, and during pop culture month of July. Would you want to host those? I said, yeah, I guess I could do that. And then I ended up um, at the end of the fourth week, people kept on, like, showing up more and more every week. And I turned to the Barnes & Noble people, and I'm like, you know what? We can't stop this. We have to keep on doing this. So what I would do is I would host a classic TV star who had a book out. You know, it was one of my friends or, or who I knew, an associate. They would show up. I would produce the event. You know, I didn't make any money whatsoever. What? No the- money in the entertainment industry? I can't believe it. <laughs> Amazing, right? Yeah. And uh, but I had something to do every Thursday. You know, I'm like, okay, hanging out with Don Wells on a Thursday. How bad is that? That's so pretty good. Then I had a big Christmas uh, holiday party in December. Invited everybody back, and that's when Joel Eisenberg and Lori Gersh Eisenberg uh, sat in, and they were kind of like, you know, uh, following the events, and they had befriended me. And Joel was actually on the show once to talk about he did a Star Wars event and then I also interviewed him and uh, at the end of the, that Christmas event he says you know what we want to turn this into uh, a TV show that's great 
That and is I great. was like, well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> so, so you essentially, you essentially just fell into it. You just, you, you're loving it, and so you wrote a book, and so you met a person, and so you, just, and suddenly it just became your life. Well, yeah, you fell into it over sixty years, but well, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, sure. You know, it, it's it's you know what I did. I I followed Jay. I followed my dream. And, you know, I, I did as little harm as I could along the way. And I wanted to bring a little joy. Gosh, it still sounds so corny, I know. But you know, I wanted to bring a little joy along the way. And I just knew, you know, and in the meantime, too, I was taking care of my parents. You know, I mean, I wanted to be a star in the 80s. I, I was on General Hospital. I did both of the beautiful you know, extra work, whatnot, and that was really, I was making a lot of money on that extra work, and that sure. was eventually going to turn into speaking parts or whatnot, but my parents became ill, and I said to myself, you know, if I, you know, if I can't be a TV star right now, maybe I can write about others who are TV stars or TV shows, and in the meantime, I could take care of my parents who were as I say, getting older, right. and then eventually my dad died of lung cancer, and my mom was 30 more years. But right. I never felt, and I mean this, Jay, I never felt that I was going to be abandoned or the universe was going to abandon me and my dreams if I cared for my parents. No, look, I'm not pushing Jesus. I'm not pushing Moses. I'm just saying, look, it, you got to have some kind of spiritual base. You have to believe in something. You know, that's my motto. And whether it's love, the universe, whatever you want to call it, you got to believe in something good to help you keep grounded, and I've always tried to uh, to believe in that, and I've always felt supported by that. Your your positive attitude uh, should should be the stuff of other books, should be the stuff of textbooks, because that's what it's all about. It's it's getting up and being thankful that you're getting up, and and True. that's wonderful that you're saying that. Now you have met. Uh, you, you talk about okay, I wasn't a TV star. Well, you met so many TV stars that you're a star amongst yourself. Uh, what uh, uh, what's it like to to work with Johnny Carson? What's it like to 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 c call Elizabeth Montgomery a colleague or a friend? What what? How were they as people? Johnny was a sweetheart to me and to all the pages. I have to say it. He never once had a condescending um, way about him with us. If we would see him on a tour, you know, he drove himself. He wasn't like. He didn't have a limo or anything like that. He had a Corvette, you know, a white Corvette, I remember that. And he had his parking space, and he'd drive himself to work every every day because he had that a middle America mentality of, you know, I'm not going to take a limo. And whenever we'd see him, when we'd point him out on, the, on a tour or whatever, he was always nice to the tours, and he was always nice to us. Um, meeting Elizabeth, well, you know, that was just dream, total dream come true. I was in love with her since day one, <laughs> and... Um, I had, what happened was Bill Asher was going to do a new Bewitched uh, show, and I had sent him my reunion movie. He was impressed with that, and I was going to be one of the writers on the show. And Elizabeth actually was going to pop in as Samantha, introduce this new witch, and then pop off forever. So that was big. Um, but after that fell through, he, it was going to be done in the U.K., and lost financing or something. Oh, okay. And after that fell through, he... Um, I says, well, Bill, you know, you think Elizabeth would would do a book if she doesn't want if we can't do this new show and if she doesn't want to do my reunion, I think she'll do a book about the show, the original show. And he goes, yeah, I guess she'll do that. And sure enough, it 
and you know, after six months of calling her, he gave me the phone number. I had Elizabeth Montgomery's phone number. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 she gave me a little piece of paper. You know, it was hilarious. And so I, I called her and called her and called her. And after six months, she she didn't know really what to think because when she would call my house, she told me this later. When she would call my house, I had a the answering machine machine rigged up so that it would be, "Hi, this is Herbie J. Pilato. Please leave your message at the the Twitch." And huh. she she would hang up. She's like, "Oh my god!" So finally, she just left a message, and and I had happened to be doing my laundry in the basement, and I missed the call. Oh. And I called her back. I said, and she left. She goes, hi, it's Lizzie Montgomery. I'll never forget that. Lizzie. Hi, it's Lizzie Montgomery. This is crazy. And she was referencing the twist. Sure. So I, I, call, I called her back and I said, Elizabeth, I'm so sorry. I, I missed your call. I said, I was, I was doing my laundry. And she said, as you should. And Brilliant. from there, we, we just hit it off. She was so down to earth, Jay. So real. What you saw as Samantha on that show is who she was. You know, I've heard that about her, that she was so philanthropic and everything. What's that? I, I, I heard that about her, that she was a wonderful person, she was philanthropic, she was caring, the whole works. It, it's true. And you got to remember, her dad, you know, was a major movie star in the 30s and 40s, and then he was a television star. This is a very wealthy, prestigious family. That's um, right. Her, That's her, right. Her, her mother was, was Elizabeth Allen, a Broadway actress. But they instilled in her... You know, a down-to-earthness that she retained and that she, both, by the way, instilled in her own children. They're all very sweet people. Mm-hmm. And um, she made an effort, really, to not be the do-the-star thing. She'd sit on the set with the gophers and the camera guys. You know, one day they would, like, you know, order a pizza, she told me. And, and she she relished, <laughs> no pun intended, but she <laughs> relished in that down to earth pizza delivery thing, because that's not something she did in Beverly Hills. Right. So right. They would never have a pizza delivered in Beverly Hills in those days. I, I think you just answered uh, another age-old question, why, why classic TV is classic. These are real people. You know, when we hear Johnny Carson, today when we say Johnny Carson's name, it's, it's where talk about calling someone Moses. Uh, uh, we, we, think, we think one thing, but they were just down-to-earth, really fun people. Have you found that in general? I'm, uh, I, I know you've, you've and we're going to get to your show in a moment because it's absolutely marvelous. Uh, do you find that, that the people of that era are all down-to-earth or most down-to-earth? They're just good old-fashioned folk? Well, a lot of them are, and a lot of them appreciate that there's you know people in this world today who still appreciate them. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're like just, you know, flabbergasted. And in many times, like when, you know, Mary Tyler Moore or Elizabeth, um, they, they tried originally to, to uh, steer away from what they were known best for. Like Elizabeth would do these very, very different films, like The Legend of Lizzie Borden. Oh, sure. Or, I remember that movie. Right. Or A Case of Rape. And Mary Tyler Moore would do very similar films like that where she would do things that were so different from Laura Petrie from the Dick Van Dyke show or mm-hmm. Mary Richard from Maritime Moore show. So they, for a, they went through a period, and a lot of stars like that who are best known for things from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, um, a lot of them did films that were different 
or, or, or TV shows that were different from what they were best known for until they realized there were people like me and you who still loved them and that old stuff and that it was okay to be loved for that old stuff. And then they just gave up and said, okay, look at Mary Richards isn't going away. Right. You know, Samantha isn't going away. I just better <laughs> learn to deal with it. And they embrace it. <laughs> I've always admired that about William Shatner. He he his canon of work is incredible, but but at the end of the day, if someone says, "Hey, Captain," he's gonna turn around. So I, and, I've always know, admired no, that. And the man completely, and he still keeps working, and he's so diverse, and he embraces it. And you know, Leonard Nimoy did that too. He Leonard Nimoy written a, wrote a book years and years ago called "I Am Not Spock." And then about 20 years after that, when he came to peace with it, he wrote another book called I Am Spock. Spock. Right. Oh, that's great. Yes, that's exactly right. The perfect example of what we're talking about is that over time, they just came to peace with who they were and their personas, and then they made it work for them. That's great. That's great. That's exactly right. Okay, so now, now we're talking about TV personas. Let's talk about your TV persona. Uh, uh, every, every I've I've tuned into so many episodes, and each and every one of them, just like the good old shows, have made me smile and applaud. What's it like sitting sitting in in your chair there, and suddenly turning, and there's Burt Ward or Robert Conrad or or Catherine Lee Scott. What's it like sitting there speaking to 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 the crown jewels of classic TV? Well, I'm going to admit something here that I have never admitted in an interview in any state of, of time Uh-oh. about any part of my life or career. But the day that I was on the set with Catherine Lee Scott and David Selby and Laura Parker from Dark Shadows, I right before we started you know, taping, I had to go into the restroom because I was starting to tear up. I, I was I was tearing up that I, I said to myself, wait a minute, I'm on a TV set with the set of a TV show with, you know, people that I have long admired. But not only that, it's my show. And they're here for me. They came, you know, they, they accepted my invitation. I was overwhelmed. That's great. I was overwhelmed. I love that show. I love Dark Shadows. I loved all of those actors. And they were, and David certainly, and, and, and all of them went on to do amazing things. Sure. But I was overwhelmed with emotion. Now, I've never admitted that, and there you go. Oh, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We have an exclusive. Herbie burst into tears when the cat, when, when the members of Collinwood strolled into his studio. <laughs> How about all, how about all those other wacky guys that you had there? I know you had Burt Ward in your chair. I know yeah. you had Robert yeah. Conrad Burt in your Ward chair. Marion Ross. Burt the whole Ward's amazing. Yeah, Burt Ward is amazing. A complete uh, uh, energy bolt. He, you know, just so much passion. He loves his work. And such a beautiful person. He does so much. You know, he's got his um, his a nonprofit organization that has healthy dog food, and he does so much to, to help <clears throat> homeless uh, uh, pets and whatnot, and he rescues Patina's his beautiful wife. Ed Asner, nine, in his 90s, never stops working, has uh, always worked. What a treasure he is. Um, Robert Conrad, tougher than tough. Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, just, uh, you know, charismatic, right 
from from the word go. And let's see, well, the Gary Marshall tribute with Cindy Williams and, and Marion Marion Ross. You know, another ninety year old looking gorgeous. Um, and with the My Three Sons, iconic Barry and Sam oh. Livingston. These are all people that I long loved and admired, and really um, that they that I was sitting there with them, and that I had an opportunity to talk with them on a one-to-one basis, and I took the same philosophy that I used when I did my first interview with Elizabeth and, or whatever first celebrity it was, which I think was Casey Rogers from, from The Witch. She played Louise Tate. Hmm. But one of the things that Elizabeth said to me when we sat down was, why are you doing this? In other words, why are you writing this book? Why are we here? And I went on to tell her that you know, Bewitched is about prejudice and true love and strong work ethic. And she sat back and she went, okay. And then she saw that I was talking to her like a person. Right, right. Like, I, like you were talking to somebody at a bar, like I'm talking to you. And so that is that same thing that I bring to the show with these other celebrities. I talk to them like they're people, because they are people. And, and I, want, I, want, I want them to open up, and I want them to feel comfortable. And I never try to be salacious. I never try to be mean-spirited or hurtful. I want them to talk about their truth. I want them to be uh, compelling, and I want them to be honest. But I'm not there to, to, to you know, to, to say something hurtful or mean or to, to, to trash them or anyone else. Uh, that's just not my thing. It's not, that's not the way I work. And as a result, it, I think it's a nice uh, way to spend some time. That's terrific. That's terrific. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned about Burt Ward being a great guy. I I had met him. Uh, uh, I had met him uh, very briefly when he was in when he was at uh, one of the Chiller uh, conventions, one of the Chiller expos in in uh, on the East Coast. And I had mentioned very briefly to him because I, uh, I, I I know of what he does these days. And I said, "Well, my wife uh, my wife is an animal rescuer also." Now, I expected him, like so many of these stars, to just go, oh, that's nice, and, and, and move on. His head popped right up. He looked at me, really? Yeah, what does she do? And we had this huge conversation. My, my wife's a, a cat lover, and so she, a, a stray cat never, never, will never cross her path without getting a can of food or something. But, uh, and, and, and he just went into this whole discussion about, about what he does and his love of animals and everything like that. And, and I'm listening and I'm, I'm smiling. And I'm, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, you're Robin. You're Burt Ward. And, 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 and the, the open heart that he had, it was, it was absolutely stunning. It was absolutely stunning to talk to him. Is, is there anyone uh, living or no longer with us that if you had your druthers, if there could be that moment that you could sit down and talk to them, is there that one person from the good old days that you would adore to speak to? You know, Jay, I, I've been so blessed, you know, that I've really met and talked with and, and to some extent befriended all of my idols. I mean, whether it was Lee Majors, Lindsay Wagner, Elizabeth, whoever, David Carradine. I mean, Carradine looked forward to my book, a comic book. book. Um, but as I look back, you know, people like Robert Young, I oh. wish I would have had a chance to to talk with. I mean, he was just, I just love Father Knows Best. Because this show, you know, so many people think, oh, it's snarmy little, silly little sick. And it's not. It is a half hour drama with comedy. And the people who judge shows like that and say things like that, they don't watch the show. 
So Robert Young, I would have loved to um, to sit down with. Jeez, and like I say, I um, I don't know. I I would have to say I've met them all, and and in in the most positive uh, way. Um, so I'm very very pleased with that. I guess I would like to have spent more time talking about um, Elizabeth's life with her more about her stuff beyond the witch. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm, I'm good. I mean, I'm still, you know, love to talk to whoever I can, but, but I guess Robert Young is one of the people that I, I wish I was still would have talked to. Get, that is great. That is really great. Herbie, thank you so much. I'm going to, I'm going to tell our listeners exactly. You're, you're on Amazon. Uh, uh, I'm on Amazon Prime, Shell Factory TV, and please do feel um, uh, free to write an objective, honest review of Then Again with Herbie J. Pilato on Amazon Prime. Write it on Amazon Prime. Watch the show. I really want to hear what you think. Honestly, I can take it. Tell me the truth. And then if you need to contact me, certainly I'm all over Facebook, Twitter. You can go to my website, HerbieJPilato.com, and and order any of my books personally signed. Oh, I, I already put up my review, and 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 the I, I ran out of good things to say. So let's put it that way. Um, uh, this was absolutely wonderful. It's a pleasure speaking to a fellow lover of classic TV uh, from from our mutual buddy Joel. I have heard only amazing things, and 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 may your show enter enter the great classic television history so that now in 20, 30 years, people, 20, 30, 50 years, people are looking at it and, and they're saying this is an absolute work of art because it certainly is. Thank you, Herbie, well, so much. That is very good of you. And I just want to say that I would not have been here. The show would have never happened if it wasn't for Joel or Lori uh, and certainly Steve Hillard as well. They believe in me. And we wouldn't be talking. We wouldn't be doing this right now if it wasn't for them, Jay. So God bless us all, and, and congratulations again on your show, and, and keep smiling, everybody. And and uh, I, I can I can echo the same thing. I'm I'm looking forward to meeting some of my favorite horror movie people, and I that would all be a dream if not for the great Joel Eisenberg. So so I echo I echo your your praise of him wholeheartedly. Uh, Herbie, here's here's to the future, celebrating the past. And and all the best to you, and I shall definitely talk to you soon. Okay, Jay. Ciao. Bye. Thank you, Herbie. Herbie and I still maintain our deep relationship with the television set, and I don't think that's ever going to change. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Halloween is right around the corner. Oh, one of my favorite holidays. So look for my interviews with... Chris Williams, Marcus Slabine, and Jeremiah Kipp in the coming weeks. Who are they, you might ask? And what do they have to do with Halloween? <laughs> and now in honor of Herbie's former day job, let's have Doc Severinsen and his orchestra take us out of this episode.